We know it's not joyful when you're going through the chastisement or discipline of God. Because later on, when you look at the providence of God, sometimes those things that were bad were really good because God worked those things together for good. Hello, my name is Minister Herbert Moore, the minister here at the Church of Christ in Atlanta Airport area, where we speak for the Bible speaks and we're silent for the Bible is silent. Our worship service begins at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. Please tune in WATC 57 at 4 p.m. every Sunday. Come be with us and we will do you good. I say just by Jesus dying for our sins should be enough. I say by him allowing us to live and breathe and have our blessings in him should be enough. I say we should be motivated from the Hebrew writer as he says in verse number 24, we are to provoke one another to love and good works. What motivate a person to work for the Lord? Nehemiah, Nehemiah 4, verse number 6, so built we the wall. And all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. You must put in your mind to work, and oftentimes when you are going to work and you're about to go to work, the irony of everything is you either love your job or you don't love it. But you still have to work. Ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, one of the curses of man in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 16 and following, that he would work from the sweat of his brow. You still have to work. It's okay if you don't love your job, but Georgia Power, if you're here in Georgia, is going to knock on your door, or shut the lights off. The lights went off in Georgia if you don't work. The Bible says that a man that does not work is worse than an infidel, that does not take care of family, worse than an unbeliever. And I'm told that if you find a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Nehemiah was a Jewish exile who held a position of cupbearer in the court of the Persian monarch king. The cupbearer was responsible for making sure he was screening the liquids the king was to drink. That's some kind of job because had someone poisoned that drink, he would be the one that would go down. He was almost like the body god, if you will, but he was the food god because Satan, even in our lives, can infiltrate your life in more ways than one. You're looking at him to come through the door, but he came through the window and, and maybe through the roof. He will come at you. He says, here I am. Here I come. He has, has a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So the cup bearer was responsible. He naturally filled a trusted role that brought him the king's confidence. When he returned in exile under the leadership, uh, Jerusalem was drought 
in their attempt to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple in Ezra 4, on hearing the news, Nehemiah, whose name means the Lord comforts, and God does, the Lord comforts us, doesn't he? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 3 and following, the Bible says he's the God of all comfort. If you're looking for comfort, look to God. He's the God of all comfort. When it seems as though, as a lady the other day, she called and she said, I want to buy a stone because my husband, he died in a car accident. And she just bust out and started crying. She needed comfort. What do you do when the worst thing that you have ever imagined happened to you? You go to the God of all comfort. That's where you go. Where can I go but to the Lord? His name means the Lord comforts. Maybe you need comfort in this morning. You look to him that gives you comfort. Set about to rectify the situation by using his influence with the Persian king. It's good to have influence power. Sometimes people may not have position power, but they have influence power because of the life that they live. I'm told that you cannot buy respect. You have to earn respect. He had earned respect. Nehemiah had earned respect. He had been a faithful person. We'll see that he's going to be a resourceful person. In our life, we must be resourceful. I know there are some in here that are, uh, they have a main job, but they do things on the side. They're resourceful. He was very resourceful. I'm reminded of in Exodus chapter 3, verses number 1 and following, when Moses was to go into Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And Moses says, who am I to do this? And the Lord said, what's in your hand? And the Lord allows that staff to turn to a snake. And it scared him. And I would be scared also. Off time, in our life, what is in our hands? Could it be edu education? <clears throat> Could it be talent? This morning we'll see it could be time that we could give back to the Lord. Near my was a wonderful leader. As governor of Judah, his leadership and organization skills made the rebuilding possible and the restoration of the remnant of God's people was completed. They were in captivity. See, God, he disciplined them through the two ends, nature and nations. God did that back then. He disciplined those whom he loved. He loved his people. But they, he will always leave a remnant that would take care of business. Don't get discouraged this morning when it seems like the world is going the wrong way. God is still on the throne. John said, I saw him on the throne in the book of Revelation. He was in the midst of a throne. He is still in control. Don't get discouraged. Nehemiah. He builds the wall rebuilt under Nehemiah, Jerusalem condition, and Nehemiah, he prays, first of all. He prays, and then he repairs the wall. And he worked, and he worked with 
one weapon, they had a weapon in one hand and two in the other because they were criticizing him as they built the wall. You look at your outline. I want you to look at your outline. And we'll see there on your outline that sometimes work is enjoyable and sometimes work is not enjoyable. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 21 and following. This is what Paul says. He says, when you work, you're working until the Lord. Sometimes we feel we take it personal, that, like we're working for that supervisor or that manager. We're, no, we're working until the Lord. You must learn how to leave the work at work. Some people have not learned to do this. One of our customers worked in a department store there in Stockbridge, and she said that um, she has high blood pressure and she has become very sick and she had to retire because those people drove her crazy. Hold it now, you're working in a department store. That's a wonderful job, don't get me wrong, but you can, can't you hide here once in a while? Amen. <laughs> Lisa and I worked at the post office where, you know, here you are, you got 30 people on this side of the wall and 30 people on the other side. That's a wall, right? And, and the supervisor would come on both ends of that particular wall, right, Lisa? And they would uh, look down the aisle and make, make sure you're working. They had a situation where at one point, Sister Howard, where you, you had to distribute so many pieces of mail, and you have these different containers, you had to do so many in an hour. But the union got on top of that and said, no, you can't do people like that because everybody have a different speed, if you will. And so the union had them the corner word title, here goes, gainfully employed. You have to be gainfully employed. So when the supervisor looked down that aisle, you had to be gainfully employed. Gainfully employed. I wonder sometimes, even in our lives, all that God had given us, are we gainfully employed for him? Are we doing the work of the Lord? All that he has given us, the knowledge and the ability that he has given us, are we gainfully employed for him? But as you look at the sheep, man, work is man's punishment for Adam's, and I have a blank there, and you, you can fill in the blank, for Adam's sin. And from that point on, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I didn't have anything to do with Adam's sin and preacher. I know you didn't, but in Romans chapter 5, verse number 12 and following, you did not have anything to do with your salvation. Jesus dies for our sin. But work, there's something about work. It, there is an intrinsic value about work, whether you like it or not. Whether you come home saying, oh, it was a tough day at work and, and, and uh, it was just something else. But you just feel good that you went to work, that you were able to work. You may not be making the money that uh, Mr. Weir is making. You may not be a millionaire like him, but, uh, <laughs> but you still love your job. You still love the work. It's something about working, isn't it? Something about working. And have y'all noticed that green money spins the same way no matter what job you have. Spins the same way. So having a mind to work is having a mind, and, and notice these are three points, having a mind to recognize a need to work, number one, 
also desires to work regardless of personal interests because things can distract you as you do work and as you do the work for the Lord. And work and will work will even you work even when you're up under unfavorable or adverse circumstances. That's when you learn who you are and what you can handle and what you can deal with. And I want you to know this morning, you must be able to do that. And those are people that the manager sought out to be supervisor or move up on the work scale. Those that can handle situations in spite of, and people that can be cool under distress. Just be, you know, in spite of everything that's going on, still have an even keel. Can't everybody do that? But we want to encourage all to have a mind to work from this point on. Maybe you have had a mind to work, but maybe you can increase the mind to work, mind to work for the Lord. Physical work versus spiritual work. There's spiritual work in the Lord. In Philippians chapter 2, verse number 12, Paul says, work out your own soul salvation. We must work it out. There's work in the kingdom of the Lord. You see on point number one, a mind to work, recognize a need to work. We have been commissioned by the Lord to work. We have, we have been commissioned. Look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verse, beginning at verse number 18. Because all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world. Amen. Amen. The Lord is with us. Hebrews 13, verse number 5, I never leave you nor forsake you. In Mark 16, verse number 15 and 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's a great commission. And then you see in, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse number 10. The Bible that says there, whatever thy hands find to do, do it with all thine might. My father used to say, if you don't do it right, don't do it at all. Do it with all thine might. And here, upon the point number one, there's always a need to work. There's always a need to work. The Lord has given us his commission, we see there. And we are to do what? Make disciples of all nations. What is a disciple? A person that follows the Lord, a person that keeps learning. And, and that's the problem oftentimes. In Matthew chapter 28, verses number 19 and 20, it says you baptize them, you teach them, baptize them, and teach them again. We must keep learning. That's why Brother Brooks has the class downstairs. It's basically a new convert class, but he can convert it to anything. Uh, anybody shows up, he can convert it to any, anybody, anything that the person needs. That's what a good teacher does. Be able to, to change in midstream, if you will. But Lawton, which passed over a year and a half ago, 
wonderful preacher uh, there in New Jersey, well-known minister. Um, he baptized so many hundreds of people. And on Wednesday at Bible class, Michael, that used to be with us, he told me if someone came in that class and they had not obeyed the gospel, he would know. And it, no matter what his class were on, he would deal with, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> because we need to touch the needs of the people. You don't scratch where you're not itching. And so Brother Lawn would do that, and, and they baptized many people in the kingdom of the Lord. What about this, though? The work in which we do, the work in which we do, the work is a labor of love, not a labor of necessity. It's a labor of love. And when we work for the Lord, we should be working in, in the sense of a labor of love. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 10, the Hebrew writer says, God has not forgotten your good works and your labor, that you labor in the Lord. Hebrews 6, verse number 10. So don't ever think that your work in the Lord is in vain. You just keep a mind to work, and you just stay on this battlefield and do the will of God. And here we see that we work to help our youth, for example. Coming out of this pandemic, we must get back on track. We're helping our youth. The ministry of Jesus Christ is threefold, we often say. It's preaching and teaching the word of God. And then it's edification where we build up Christians. The Bible says, how do we edify people? We build them up, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 15. We build them up by teaching the word of God. In Acts chapter 20, verse number 32 and following, the Bible says, they edified the church by teaching and preaching the word of God. You know, the best counseling we can do, and I mean, yes, we need to sit and talk to people. Don't get me wrong. But the best counseling we can do is people to look at the worship service that God has put in place in Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, that continues steadfast in apostles' doctrine, teaching, breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and fellowship, prayer, and singing. All those things mixed up is God's way to encourage us, to build us up. I'm told that the best counseling you can have is from the preaching and teaching of God's word. Because when you're built up by God's word, some of those petty things you won't even consider. Because they're petty. When you let people on the job discourage you, and like the lady that worked in the department store, she's going through all kind of health issues now, saying, and she's blaming the job. The job made me have all these health issues and I had to retire. How do you let that happen? If God is your focus, if you have learned in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one and two, to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beset you. Some things are just weighty. You don't need to take them on. You need to learn how in Galatians chapter six, verses number one through six, it says this, we are to bear one another's burden but then again, it goes on to say that people must bear their own burdens. Some things, some burdens you can't bear, even with your children. Some things you need to let them bear. Don't be so quick to say, let me fix it for them. 
Let them work it out. We must be careful, and we wind up taking on burdens that we should not take on. I mean, life is hard by itself, isn't it? And so we don't need to take on anything else that's going to weigh us down. The Hebrew writer makes it so plain in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses number 14 and following. He talks about don't let a, 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 a bit of bitterness root up, come up and root in your heart because you become bitter if you wind yourself find yourself overbearing with other people's problems. You can become bitter. You can become bitter toward them. Oh, here they come again. <laughs> you must be careful. You, you must not learn how to say no. No, it's not a bad word. <laughs> and this is a Hebrew writer said, it's like dumbbells, lifting dumbbells. He says, you know, God knows how you're going to be weighed down. You know, life can weigh you down. Sometimes it's hard, isn't it? it you know, sometimes you can lift that dumbbell so much and then you'll, you just get tired. But you have to take a rest when that happens and get back on the battlefield. Don't let people discourage you. So many people have gotten discouraged because of the pandemic. It's hard for them to get back in rhythm. See, that's a rhythm in time. And the time that God has given us, that's a rhythm where you have night, morning, day, and you have weeks, you have months, you have years. That's a rhythm that goes on no matter what, whether you are going along with it or not. And you can get left behind. But we must stay in the rhythm of time. You must stay. And we must stay in the rhythm of working for the Lord. These people had a mind to work. It starts in your mind, right? In Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, Paul said, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So the mind that was in Christ Jesus must be in us. And so we need to work toward helping our elderly. That's part of the work of the church. We need to be concerned about, we should go to nursing homes and we should go and pray for those people and bring them out in the break area and we should sing and young children would go with us and it meant so much to the older people, it meant so much to the children to see that they had a part in encouraging folk. Then we need to go into the hospitals. We need to go in the jail houses and places like that and we need to be concerned not only about that but helping those that are in need, like the early church did in Acts chapter 4, verse number 32 and following. They sold what they had and they gave to those that had need. But when God give us much, we can give a little at least to help people. And that little 20 or $30 and $50 not going to hurt us or break us. If it does, we're in bad shape. But it means so much to someone else. It means so much. But we need to do the work before us there are those who need to be told what to do, though. Some people need to be told what to do. That's why we need leadership in the church. Because sometimes we don't always know what to do. Sometimes we don't always know what our talent is. And we need to point it out. There are some times when we see people on the sideline, we say, you know, I heard you speak up in Bible class. You might be a good Bible school teacher. You know, uh, I heard you pray, you know, maybe you need to pray during worship service or read scripture or whatever 
Uh, it could be someone taking care of young people that have just a talent of loving uh, children. They could work in the nursery. It's so much work to do. And sometimes we have to be told, we have to be encouraged to do the work of the Lord. And then, of course, thank you so much for tuning in with us as you have listened to the message of the hour. In order to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in Mark 16, 15, and 16, it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And so one must hear the word in Romans chapter 10, verse number 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And once you hear the word, you must believe the word. Once you believe the word, you must repent of your sin. Luke 13, 3, Jesus says, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. And once you repent, you confess Christ, the sweetest name on Martha's tongue. Then after that, you're buried with him in baptism, in the watery grave of baptism. You become, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, a new creature, a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. And so we encourage you to come be with us as we teach you the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You become a member of the church of Christ, the one that Christ died for. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 18. God bless you all. Hello, my name is Minister Herbert Moore from the Church of Christ at Atlanta Airport. We're located about three miles from the Atlanta Airport, the busiest airport in the world. We're just an eight-minute drive. We have many people that travel through the airport and they come to worship with us. We speak what the Bible speaks and we're silent what the Bible is silent. And so we invite you to come. We also invite you to tune in to our television program every Sunday at 4 p.m. WATC 57 Television. We also invite you to visit our Facebook Church of Christ at Atlanta Airport area. Also, you can go to YouTube, speakingthegospel.tv, and hear many more of the sermons from the Word of God that I have spoken throughout the last months and the last years. Enter to worship and leave to serve. Many times today, we're not able to worship in a building. The Bible tells us that we are to worship on the first day of the week. And as you know, we can worship God everywhere and anywhere. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 3, verses number 1 and following, as Moses approached the burning bush that was burning but did not burn up, God tells him, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. And that's why we can worship anywhere. The church is not the building. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, that the kingdom of God lives within us. So when we say we're coming to church, we're really coming to worship. This is why we need to realize God does not dwell in an empty church building. He's all over. He's everywhere. And those that worship him in John 4, 24 must worship him in spirit and in truth.